0: Today on the podcast, I got Manuel Santiago, who's been trading for 13 years, been a Marine for 21, and we're going to have him dissect his whole journey in the markets today. So thanks for joining me, Manuel. I appreciate it for you having me. It's always a pleasure uh, meeting up with other traders. So thank you (laughs) for having me. For sure. Uh, One question I have to have asked right away, I didn't say this earlier, but what nationality are you? You feel like I feel like you're related to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm actually a uh, Puerto Rican and Italian. Yeah, I see the Italian.
1: Yeah. You look like everybody at my Sunday dinners. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah, uh, my my mom's Italian and uh, my dad is Puerto Rican. Um but I'm I'm from over here in California, uh born and raised in uh San Francisco area, so. What, what part of Italy? Uh Sicily. Where?
0: Sicily sicily yes oh yeah 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 i'm from sicily too okay
1: (laughs) hey maybe who knows along the line somewhere
0: i know sicily's where like all the mutts are they have like all the nationalities come there and it's like greek and uh all the surrounding countries so yeah but take me through beginning of trading journey like how'd you get into it and I want to like hear about the defining moment where you thought this wasn't gambling, and like you were super excited to dive into this for like multiple years.
1: Yeah, so I mean, uh, I mean, I started in 2010, and the funny thing is how I started is I'm, I'm a Marine, uh, active duty. I've been a Marine Corps for 21 years, and I was actually deployed to Afghanistan, of all places, in 2010. I was doing a year long deployment over there, and uh, I had another Marine. Um, who was actually a reservist that got activated and deployed with us, but he was actually a broker based out of uh, Florida. That was his full-time job uh, and he was just reservist. reservist. Um, so he's always talked about investing uh, and more he talked about it got me more interested and interested. So I asked more questions. He started providing me with some books Um and always kind of answer questions and and i've been kind of on it since then right uh but the books and the uh concepts that he always taught me was warren buffett right Uh, if anybody follows warren buffett knows warren buffett he invests for life right so whenever you buy and hold you buy and hold for long periods of time so that was my initial strategy and it still is right um but throughout the years i kind of evolved my strategy uh to uh, meet specific timeframes and and different things to try to speed up the whole process and try to multiply at a at a faster rate. But it was definitely a lot of trial and tribulation. Uh, maybe in the first six or seven years or so, right? Uh, whether I was first trading uh, penny stocks, thinking I was going to get rich overnight on some penny stocks, uh, lost a lot of money there, right? Um, going deep into um, some marijuana stocks. Because that was the fad in 2011, 2012 time frame is when um, Colorado first started uh, getting access and actually uh, legalizing uh, recreational use for marijuana. And so I started thinking it was going to be big there. And I made some money, but then at the same fashion, I didn't know as far as taking profits and Uh, managing actively managing my account right so like i said that concept of warren buffett where i buy and hold and continue just to continue hopefully it compounds um but there is a process of that right whether it be dividends etfs and stuff uh different stocks but you gotta you gotta be be
0: careful like (laughs) buying and holding the wrong sectors because the marijuana industry has been
1: terrible the last like 15 years yeah, yeah, it it has. I mean, initially, like I said, it first went up. Um, and some of the stocks I actually bought were actually up a hundred, almost two hundred percent. Um, but then I didn't know anything as far as process, a taking profits, reallocating my funds yeah. elsewhere. Uh, and like I said, actively managing my my account, um, where those profits then became losses, right? Um, and that's a, a a tough pill to swallow. Um but it's a it's part of the learning process. I think it, if you didn't have real good guidance, you didn't have real good mentorship um or be able to find somebody to actually ask questions to, that's part, part of the process, which I had to learn the hard way, right? Yeah. Um, which cost me not only time but opportunity cost and money. Right. So um, and then about maybe six, six years ago, seven years ago, um, that's when I started actually building my long-term portfolio, right? Started getting into swing trading um and understanding the, the actual market uh right whether it be the through d- different phases, some technical analysis, right? And then started getting it into options. And when you first get into options, everybody just thinks of options as um buying long calls and long puts, right? Um, so get rich overnight type of aspect. And same thing, I struggled. Um, lost a lot of money. I blew a couple of accounts um, yeah. and then started realizing that there's a other processes and easier ways to kind of do option trading. And that's when I started learning about selling options, right? Hedging against my own positions and the actual reality of how options should be traded versus just long calls and long puts. So it's been a long, long process, I think for me, but my overall strategy now is whether I, if I'm day, day trading, sometimes I'm taking long calls, long puts off a of technical analysis, right? My swing trading strategy is either I'm selling options or as well, I'm, I'm buying um, shares, right? Using my technical analysis. And then everything I'd make, I turn that into um, building my long-term portfolio, which is uh dividend kind of heavy stocks and ETFs, right? So uh, just continue to compound those returns. Yeah, so with like, 13
0: years in the game as Warren Buffett, like buy and hold. Have you bought any great stocks at like amazing prices and, and still holding I, them?
1: I, I did, right? Um so I first in 2010 when I first started actually investing, some of the first stocks I bought um was Nike, Pfizer, and Apple. Nice. Right? As as well as some of those other uh kind of kind of penny stocks that I try to gamble with, right? Um, but at that time in 2010, Apple was $45 a share and it was the highest it, it was. Um, but then, uh, in 2014, they had a seven to one split, right? It ran all the way up to like six, almost $700. And then it had a, a, a seven to one split. Um, and then in what 2019 or 20 is when they had a, another four or five to one split. Yeah. Right. So I was able to get in on that um, pretty early. Um, I did end up taking some profits and try to recapitalize that. So I did learn that fashion. I did get um, uh, Pfizer around $16 to $18 per share in 2010. Um, nice. Held that for about a good six, seven years before I actually took profits on that as well. So there was one stock. It always kind of hinders me. Um it's always been like I love to trade it, but I don't love to trade it at the same fashion. Um, yeah. and that's Tesla, right? Yeah, because Tesla. in Tesla, it ipo in 2010, mm-hmm. right? So when I was doing a lot of that research, um, there were two companies I was IPO the same exact week. Um, it was Tesla and the other one was called reality ID. I I even remember the ticker as RLD was a ticker um uh-huh. and both of them was ipoing around 18 19 dollars a share um <laughs> but i went with real id and what they did was real at the time they owned the patent and the rights to all the 3d movies and that was that was the rave back then so all the movies all the tv screens wow. right glasses and stuff like that so and that actually did extremely well and it went from 18 uh and within two years it's at 36 dollars a share wow but once again, like I said, I didn't know anything about taking profits. Yeah. So I went from 36 back down to 18, 14, 9. And eventually I ended up selling it for like uh $14 a share, which was a loss. But yeah. if I knew better, mm-hmm. I could have sold half at least at $36 and then reinvested that into Tesla, um, which <laughs> I didn't get into until years, years later when they were actually starting to get become profitable. But but I always followed them. Right. Um, but yeah. So what what's your strategy now when you're,
0: I mean, you're buying like pretty uh, early companies that haven't really proven anything. Uh, you're like a value investor background, but it's kind of like the opposite. So do you use like a small portion of your capital or are you like trying to master growth investing?
1: No. Yeah. So that was early on in my early investing. Right. But now I, I really stick to well-known companies, and I'm looking to really um, utilize and selling options, right? I, I love yeah. selling options um, because throughout the time, everybody knows that opt- uh, stocks tend to move in one or three different directions, right? Up, sideways, or down, right? When you're playing just long calls, long puts, I mean, why growth is, is awesome, but I, it's a small portion of my account that actually contributes to to actual growth stocks or even some type of fashion. But I think long term, I think uh still as far as value, I still think of of ETFs as a safer type of investment. I do still trade and um find other stocks that I think have a long, a long-term value that are growth stocks like NVIDIA, right? Like a CrowdStrike, um like an AMD or even some of the ETFs that they uh involve right, W and so forth, that I think still has a lot of opportunity to grow, right? Uh, for me, nice. whether it be the chip factor, chip companies, or even cybersecurity, I think that has a long-term uh, outlook, but yet sure. they're still on that growth phase, right? Nice. Um, so if, all,
0: if, if like the stock goes up a hundred percent, like from the lessons you learned, what,
1: what do you do in the situation nowadays? So it it really depends on if they're actual uh, dividend stocks or not, right? So if it's not a dividend stock, then I'm definitely selling right, whether it be 40, 50%, uh, 30, 40, 50, 60, somewhere around there. So I could continue to reallocate that to somewhere else. If it's uh-huh. a dividend playing stock, then I only sell it 10, 15, even sometimes that's a 25% of my position. So this way I could still capitalize on those um uh, on the drip program right so dividend reinvestment program um but it really depends on which stock they are but i do constantly manage and actively manage my account now where i'm rotating through different sectors i'm constantly looking for good value uh value buys and then continue to writing it up using technical analysis on when to kind of sell or when those stocks are actually overvalued according to their 10ks and and their actual earnings
0: yeah so you kind of do it all from like investing to trading to option selling. Like, what do you think you've mastered at this point? If you could pick
1: one. Option selling. Right. I My, my number one strategy, I think is has to be the wheel strategy. Yeah. Right. I, I think it's a perfect, perfect type of strategy where I'm, all right. I go through, I, I sell cash secure puts with intent to buy the shares, uh, whether it be at the money or just outside of the money, um, try to buy the shares. If I if they continue dropping, then I roll the contracts as as need be, right? Um, get assigned the shares, and then now I'm looking to turn that into selling cover calls, and that's really my swing trading strategy, right? With, and it doesn't really matter if it's uh, a growth stock or or even a value stock. I try to do that and uh, capitalize that on multiple different fashions, even whether it be TQQQ or even leverage type of plays. Um, yeah. I think that's my best strategy that that constantly uh profitable with
0: yeah yeah i can agree it's definitely my favorite i have like uh like you said i use the leverage ETFs because they pay the most from selling options like i'm doing some oil cash Mm -hmm. secured puts right now with with yuko and i'm doing bitcoin cash secured puts because i'm shorting bitcoin and yeah man this market trading sideways those things are just on autopilot every month, I just collect paycheck and paycheck, so it's it's awesome.
1: Yeah. So, I, do you do them a month out basis, or how far long? How far out uh, is your expiration dates? Yeah, right now
0: i've been I've been doing a month out because it's just so much easier to make yeah. money a month out. If you go f- closer to that, like you sometimes get the shares and you have them for a loss if you're wrong. And it's a deeper loss than you would really want. Um, so yeah, I've been doing 30 days, but I might hedge like, like you say with stock, I might throw on like a covered call for the week or for um, the next two weeks. And yeah, that's just good protection in the short term. I can even trade those. It's kind of fun.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I I typically do anywhere between 30, and 45 days out. So this way the premium could have some type of value. Um, so yeah. like I said, it's, it's it's a great strategy, and I always recommend it to everybody and try to teach them the, the concepts because it's really – throughout my years, it's always not necessarily been about being right because with options, you have to time everything, right? Everything is yeah. so important, but when you're selling options, um, you don't have to be correct on the time, right? You don't absolutely have to be correct on the time because now the time is now working with you, vice is against you. Um, and it's just basically playing as as a house, right? So I, yeah. I think it's a perfect proven strategy um, with very very low risk that you could do consistently and that's repeatable. And I think as a trader and or an investor, that's what you are looking for, right? Something that's repeatable.
0: Yeah, I think like everyone that's been on the podcast. I've not not met one like really profitable scalper. Like it's very hard to scalp options and be profitable. Everyone i met, profitable option seller, like hands down, like that's the route if you want to be in this and have longevity and not have like sleepless nights and major losses you wake up to. So I don't think people realize how people like me and you that have been trading for I'm almost at 10 years but you are too you're past that. But you know, we all we all gravitate towards that at the end of the day. Yeah,
1: I I think just like you said because it's it's kind of proven. Like do I like scalping options? I do yeah. because sometimes it's that adrenaline, right? That who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And and it's a very kind of high reward, but it's also yeah. a high risk type of play. Uh like for instance yesterday I did scalp uh, uh spy options. Um, yeah leading into the j uh, um testimony, right, at, at Congress. But how I did it was I played a strangle, right? Uh, uh, the stock was, SPY was trading around 404, 405. So I did a 410 call and a 400 put. Um, the contracts were valued at, I think, 20 cents for the call and 39 cents for the put. Um, the call went to zero, but the put value when i sold it was at 90 cents right um and it actually closed at 250. <laughs> so there's a lot of wow. opportunity but but i took yeah. it as a I, my trade was a go there um make some some value off of the volatility uh that i knew that the volatility was going to occur took a trade made some money and then and then moved on with the rest of my day right you don't want to get stuck into it because it's just like when you go to a casino, the more you take a gamble, yeah, the chances are you're going to lose, right? So <laughs> you have to be quick and uh, take your profits and move on. Yeah, no, it's, it's
0: crazy. I've been watching Spy just like some days I just don't even think about taking a trade. But yesterday was just such a clean, big moving day, and it's, yeah. it's pretty rare. So I just put in a, you know, put trade. At a fifty percent stop loss, hundred percent profit zone, and let it run. Nice. And that's that's typically how I play zero days now. Just wait for the trend days, throw in the order, and really don't touch it because, um, the yeah, like you said, the more you trade on zero days, the just riskier it gets because the chance of you hitting back to back winning trades is not high on short time frames. Yeah. But um, talk talk to me about like. In 13 years, like craziest moment trading. I'm just curious.
1: Um, really, I mean, there's there's been a couple, right? I mean, so before I really got big into options, I mean, there's there's a lot of shares opportunity when uh stocks and those shares are just running, especially early, early 2020. Um, right after yeah. the pandemic, a lot of those stocks were running huge, like a couple thousand percent a day. Um so those were huge, huge opportunities there for you, right? Uh, another one that I got was in 2019, the summertime, I started actually buying um, Mara and Wright, right? So if you understand that, as far as they follow Bitcoin and their Bitcoin mining companies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I started actually doing some type of fundamental analysis and actually... <laughs> started accumulating shares of those because in 2016, they're, they're up around $20. Um, And yet down
0: at
1: $2. Yeah. They're, they're down at $2. And then, uh, yeah, started accumulating a bunch of those and then um, what January 21, I think is when Mera ran up to $28, Mm -hmm. pulled all the way back to like 14 and then, I think around November 21, it ran all the way up to like 80 something. But I ended up selling it for oh, like yeah. $60. Right. My, yeah. my actual cost base was like $278. Um, and nolly. I sold the shares of Good for well, you. like 90% of my shares that sold were around $60. So it was a it was a huge opportunity that only took like a year or no two <laughs> years to two years to kind of accumulate. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you mind sharing the the profit number or it's okay if you don't? No, I mean so as far as the the percent or you want the actual dollar amount. Uh, I mean percent amounts like 30,000, right? <laughs> well, you know, the actual percent amount it was actually from when I sold it was only around 2800%, right? So it actually wasn't that yeah. that high compared to when you look at some of the options. But for the profit, even when I started buying those shares, it was just money. I was kind of willing to kind of sit there and wait. Um, so I, was, I actually was able to make only like $60,000, $70,000 uh, oh, just wow, off yeah. of those shares, right? <laughs> uh, you can't say only, but yet yeah, that's no small small uh, chunk. But right, it's, I mean, over a year and a half span of holding those those shares, I was able to make a decent amount of money. I still actually have some, some of those shares, a small <laughs> small amount that I could actually sell options on um, that still have a cost base. I think my cost base is in one of my accounts is still like at 278 for Mara. <laughs> That's
0: such a good entry. I can't believe you recognized it at, that early. But yeah. I, I, I don't know if you followed my YouTube, but I, I was selling options like Clockwork on Mara yeah. When it was at 20 bucks and I was making like 10% a week, like every week, 10%, 10%. And my account went from like went up three, 400% just from selling options. Nice.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mera Riot, and uh, Coinbase. Coinbase has huge premiums. I don't know if you yeah. actually took a, took a look at it, but. Huge, yeah. Even now it's got 5% premiums a week. Yeah. it. Yeah, a couple like two three dollars if you sell it on a monday at like three dollars kind of right there at the money too like three four dollars it's a huge opportunity there for you so
0: yeah i mean like our, our paths are really similar uh we've been in like this the bubbles and the cycles, similar cycles like i was in the uh the marijuana cycle and that like blew up my YouTube channel that was like the beginning of market moves and my account like went to the moon because of that. I was shorting that uh, Tilray at two hundred dollars, like the literal top. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just playing that thing down for months. But uh, when when you had a big win with your like seventy k for Mara, did did you splurge? Did you have fun, or just put it right into long term stuff?
1: no so i mean i did take some money out right uh obviously i i'm married i have four kids wow um so i I did take money out um because living going off a military income by itself is it's not really a lot right so some of the opportunities is when i do actually make money in the stock market i do try to pay myself but majority of it is that i'm trying to go towards long term so this way one I finally do hang up my uniform and retire. Um, I don't have to work anymore. I just retire and just continue to live off of whether it be dividends or other type of uh, passive income, right? So um so I did take some money out. We take vacations a lot as as family and and enjoy ourselves. Um, but nice. I did go ahead and reinvest that a uh, good chunk of it into actual uh, long-term, long-term position. So well, where'd you guys go for vacation? Uh I mean we go to Hawaii a lot. Um nice. my, my wife and kids love Hawaii, love the beach. Uh so that always tend to be a a, a typical uh vacation for us, but um we're always always trying to trying to go s- different places. I know I think we're looking at uh Bahamas potentially this summer. Um but just trying to trying to give the kids an opportunity that I didn't have when I was a kid, right? So
0: it's awesome. And with your, with your trading, investing, like what's your day look like? You wake up and what are you typically doing every day with
1: your portfolio? With my portfolio, my actually daily, uh, situation here as, as I work and trade.
0: Yeah. What's a typical day look like, I guess. Well, I
1: mean, I'm, I'm in California, right? So the market opens at 6 30 AM over here, um, so actually I get up early. I get up about 3 30, 3 45 in the morning. Um and actually I go to the gym uh on on base. Uh go to go to the gym on base. I'll work out for about an hour uh to hour and a half, um shower, change over, and then I'm usually at my work uh desk um six between six thirty and seven just after the market opens. But I've always usually do all my homework and prep the night before. Um so this way once the market opens. I let the market kind of settle, do its course, and then um see how the market's trading, whether I'm looking to um sell some more puts, sell a cover call, right? On some of the stocks, I, I tend to like to trade, right? Um also I, I go and research um whatever had earnings usually that morning, uh that morning, how, how did the market move or how did that stock move according to those earnings? Because I like trading earning plays because you could always expect some type of volatility right um so huge opportunity in in that market um trade for about the maybe the first hour if i make any positions uh if i take any positions about the first hour hour and a half of the market and then i'm really working at uh with with my work work and then um depends on how that goes sometimes i have meetings sometimes i have work sometimes i'm in the field doing some type of training um, and then during power hours my lunchtime and I, I revisit it and set up my positions again, maybe for the earnings coming into after hours. Right. So a lot of research, um non-market hours, right? That I that I'm constantly uh, looking for and try to find and patiently wait for those setups to occur. Um and then come yeah, home. I don't
0: meet many people like focusing on earnings a lot. So um, what type of strategy are you using most of the time? And is this like a core thing for you? Is like you, you are in earnings plays like weekly or monthly?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the times what I do is I do my research two, three, four weeks out before the earnings actually occur and try to swing into some of those positions. Sometimes if I am doing long calls or even long puts um, and then as they get to earnings, I look to become a more of a seller, right? Because the IV increased the premium price. So therefore you can try and become a seller. And then um, if I do expect a huge movement during earnings, like last week was um, AI and uh, ZS Geller, I actually traded uh, straddles and strangles for those two opportunities, right? So sometimes I do, if I expect a huge volatility movement for actual earnings, the way I play those is, by not being non-biased, or I wait till the actual earnings occur. Like if it happens in after hours of morning, then I'll wait till the next trading day to depends on how, where's the actual stock at on the chart? Did it gap up? Did it gap down? Is it looking to fill that gap and and uh, continue going up or vice versa and trading accordingly through earnings um, as as potential day trades or even overnight swing trades?
0: Yeah, it seems super tough. Like I feel like earnings is just impossible to figure out. And knowing if it's going to be a big move or small move again is like impossible. So, does your research help you pick the big moves or like how how do you have a profitable earnings strategy with so much like uncertainty
1: with it? There 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 is a lot of uncertainty, right? But especially through earnings right because when you trade through earnings not only can you even if you guess that it's gonna beat earnings right um doesn't necessarily mean the stock's gonna go up right because it's all depends on that guidance um so like I said whenever I trade through earnings I usually play a non biased strategy right? Whether it be uh, an option seller or a straddle strangle, um, iron condor or something of the sort where it's non-biased, trying to look for somewhere to trade within a range, right? Um, otherwise, if I am trading stocks leading into earnings, um, I'm doing some type of long calls or long puts um, or even swinging into earnings. And, but always selling my those contracts uh, once the charts dictate Either it's hitting resistance point or leading into those type of earnings plays.
0: So you get in before earnings and yeah. ride the IV
1: pop and you get out before the earnings show. Yep. Yeah. Cause I don't I don't want to get hit on IV crush as well as the actual um unexpected move, right? Yeah. But if I am trading through earnings, then that's when I try to trade some of those other strategies like a strangle or straddle. That's
0: interesting. And then when the earnings occur, you're playing off like the gaps in just yep. playing key areas or something.
1: Yep. Yeah. Then then I'm looking to sell the contracts again with the um, IV, right? So if it gapped up, it's a hitting resistance point, then looking to either sell a cover call, right? As it looks to kind of pull back and fill up some of that gap or hit a key resistance and it's kind of overbought, overextended um, and vice versa with the other direction with selling puts. Do you do credit spreads or just covered calls? I do. I I I uh, do a little bit of credit spreads and debit spreads. Right. Uh, I prefer iron condors than picking a direction. I usually like to just capitalize on some of those opportunities whenever they're trading within a range, uh, yeah. Vices the credit spreads. But I I do do those sometimes, but not as as frequently. Got it. Yeah. Well, I think. I'm getting to the end of my questions,
0: but, um, I kind of wrap it up with two more, unless you have anything else you no, want to kind of get off your chest. I'm I'm all here, <laughs> whatever you got. Yeah. So fun question is like, you know, if I give you a million dollars right now, what what do you do with it?
1: Um, well, I want to say about 90% of it. I'm probably going to be buying some dividend ETFs, right? Some high dividend, yeah. whether it be, uh, uh, the Jeffy, JEPI, JEPI, uh, JP Morgan, or the Schwinn Dividend ETF, mm-hmm. I'll put that. And then the other ones I'll look to uh, continue to slowly compound and build, um, whether I'm selling, uh, doing my will strategy or or other things, right? So, um, well, actually, no. 80% is dividends, 10% probably some of the growth stocks, and then 10% actually selling the actual contracts.
0: Yeah, I like, I like the SHW. S C H uh, W. SCHW, S C
1: H S C H D, I think, S-C-H-D, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a super popular dividend ETF. And so for the fund stocks, like what are you buying in the growth sector,
1: especially now since the market's cheap? So I've been accumulating um, square, right, block. Uh, like I'm a pretty, uh, I have a big, uh, I'm a huge fan of Bitcoin, right? And and I've been following and tracking it since 2016, really since it's ran all the way up to 2017 to 20,000. Um, and if you follow Square, Square, Mera, right? Um, uh, MSTR, uh, right? And maybe two others are like the top five holders of Bitcoin right? So they own the most Bitcoin. So if you know that here come 2024, Bitcoin is going to do its next halving, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then they usually tend to start their bull cycle, a two-year bull cycle followed by a two-year bear cycle. And Square has kind of been down there under $100 for a while. And last time when um, Bitcoin had its actually run up, um, Square ran all the way up to like almost almost $300, like $290. So I've been yeah. accumulating them, uh, knowing that it hit all the way down like $50, $60 and now currently up what $85, $90, $80, somewhere around there. Yeah. So doing that, um I've been pretty interested in uh the AI sector, right? So I like NVIDIA and their GPUs, um, and also ticker uh AI, uh C3. Yeah. Uh uh, i've been accumulating them as well just kind of see where it's at i was actually looked i sold some uh, just under thirty dollars a couple of weeks ago because it pops up to like 32 and i sold some at like 29 after it started falling back underneath 30 i held that as like my kind of stop loss um but then as it pulled all the way back down to 20 i, I bought some more to kind of <laughs> nice see how we play out for the rest of this year um it seems like there's always a sector that likes to run each year so seeing i
0: think i think this is it for sure i've I've been on top of ai too seems like we're always following very similar stuff
1: (laughs) there you go (laughs) great minds think alike
0: right i guess so i think there's a big ai bubble that could happen in investing and you know getting ready for it but I bought AI at like 14 bucks. Nice. So it's like, I feel like the bubble's kind of gone, <laughs> but yeah. like with with Bitcoin, 2024 is the next halving. Like you think we're going to get like another crazy
1: run, like even in a recession? I think so, right? I mean, if you follow the history of it, 2016 was the halving, right? In, in kind of spring time. And then... Uh, in uh, 2017 is when it hit 20,000, right? And then it kind of pulled back, um, had its bear cycle. In yeah. 2020 was the next having, and in 2021 it hit 69,000, right? And now it's in the bear cycle, and it's starting to kind of curl up, right? It hit what, like 15,000, I think, or 14,000 Bitcoin did a couple months ago, and now what is it, like 22, 23,000? Um, so. If you follow that cycle, I think it does have another run, maybe at least even to test its high, right? I think even has a potential even going up to 100,000 come 24, 25 uh, timeframe. But not only just Bitcoin, but also like uh, Ethereum as well, just because I know its platform has a a very good use case, uh, right? And a lot of things are built upon it. I, I look at um, ethereum as kind of like a a software based company right like a microsoft where a lot of other things are continuing to build upon it and, and on top of it so i like those sure. yeah i just
0: i just wonder with like high interest rates and inflation like we've never had this in the past life of bitcoin so is this the one cycle it doesn't run you know it's kind of the thing i'm wondering but man if they cut interest rates and liquidity is back in the markets like it might be the perfect
1: timing so So, it's it's funny you say that because in uh what was it 21 everything was going to like right uh some type of bitcoin crypto.com arena and all these other arenas and i remember i'm 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 41 years old and i remember uh coming out of high school right and the dot-com crash right and everything like from college bowls being the dot com bowl and yahoo <laughs> bowl and all this other bowls and it, it was very similar right and then obviously we had that that dot com uh bubble crash in uh early 2000 2001 2002 time frame i wasn't trading yet but i just remember it everything kind of crashing at that time frame um and kind of doing away from it so it's funny that you said that right because it had very similar instances. that kind of remind me of it last yeah. year and or in 21, but everything, every, Bitcoin, everything, and all these other coins and tokens were kind of around and out there. And it's kind of, okay. Did that bubble kind of burst? So it could, right. And that's why I said it could potentially even hit the high of the high, the all time high again, maybe in 2025 and have a potential of a hundred thousand. I'm not, Saying it's going to run up to like a million dollars, like some of the other people uh, yeah. think. Yeah. But um, I do think we do revisit that that all time high.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was actually re- really studying 2000 because we had high PE ratios, and it's really similar to what we just had in 2021. High PEs, like a lot of IPOs, and then PEs got corrected. So we're starting to correct now, like even more. And, um, in 2000, it took like three years for growth stocks to hit all time highs, like three or five years. So this is kind of similar in my view to that time period. We had hype and high PE, and now we're getting contractions, like hard contractions, where if you study like a, like a, crypto coin crash like a crazy like poop coin crash like a coin that no one's going to use ever yeah. those coins like sit at the low of the chart after like a crash for like months and months and maybe years and there'll be some secondary event that pushes it up but i think we, we're seeing that like now in like the stock market like everything's 80 percent down and just sitting so yeah yeah it's kind of really yeah, eerily similar, but um I'm waiting to see you know next cycle what happens with Bitcoin. Cause I don't know if you follow the dude who posts the uh he's got the the map of Bitcoin with what cycle it's in and where it's supposed to go, but it's like it's not following the map anymore. Like it oh uh, no, no more? His his fitting of it is like totally off now. <laughs> it's it's making its own trend like
1: off the chart. <laughs> well, I mean. I think we're starting to get a little bit more adoption, right? Um, as far as some some other entities, right? But I don't think it's... If, if there's going to ever be a digital currency, I don't think it's going to be Bitcoin, right? Um, but I look at Bitcoin as more of a supply and demand type aspect, right? Uh, there's only ever going to be a 21 million coins. Um, yeah. So it's very limited, right? I think... And who knows how much is actually lost,
0: or right
1: thing. through wallets and that can't be accessed anymore, and different things like that. Um, so I, that's how I kind of look at it. Very similar to to a gold aspect, right, where it has it has a supply and demand type of aspect, where yeah. all right, as the demand continues to grow, um, but yet supply continues to decrease, uh, it is going to have some type of value. Um, but I'm not trying to become a long term holder of it, but I am trying yeah. to capitalize on on that uh next pump up,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of the same way like I listen to Peter Schiff or the gold guy, and yeah, ever since I listened to him, I cannot buy and whole Bitcoin with the same conviction like the real value of bitcoin is honestly that it goes up like that's the only value that people are excited to buy it for like there's i'm not buying bitcoin because i need it like i'm buying it because it it was at 20 cents and it's at 20k like i'm it, it it's a severe momentum play but yeah you know once once that's gone like who's going to buy it that's that's my question like why would they buy it so I don't know if you're a big Bitcoin, like, into this whole sector, but is there any other value I'm missing there? Like Like I said, I know know the blockchain, but everything's got the blockchain and supply and demand, like, is not a value prop, you know?
1: No, yeah, and and that's why I said, I think, as far as it actually having volatility, right? You talked about the volatility and the price action and everything, and it actually having opportunities to continue going up and down depending upon – the state of the market, right? But I think there's other type of things, whether it might not even be played, uh, came out yet, or if it's still kind of building, right? Where there's actually is use case scenario, even if the world adopts a a di- a type of digital currency, um, we might not even know what it is yet, right? But yeah, I look exactly. at something as far as like a platform based kind of like a uh, Ethereum, if they could fix their gas fees and their speed, right? <laughs> um oh that has a very good use case right to continue to build upon that actual platform uh that actual exactly. foundation right or even like an Algorand or a matic or something like that but um something very similar where there is going to be some type of crypto that has a very good use case um to to continue to use and capitalize on if i know if i knew what it was already i'll continue to add and i'll share it out there but i don't know what it is it's all kind of speculative Um, it's early
0: it's early to know like you it's hard to know because this industry is not adopted yet it's mostly like invested into Mm -hmm. but man the whole metaverse land stuff like people buying land for 100k in this like video game world that was the pinnacle of stupidity.
1: Man. Yeah. I love the wrong, NFTs. but holy
0: crap. I like NFTs. I mean, NFTs are art, like art is utility, but yeah. buying land in like a land in a video place that you don't even your neighbor doesn't even use, you don't even use, like I could see if you went there every day, but people are buying like millions of dollars of this digital land. It's like crazy, crazy ridiculous. Yeah. And we don't have liquidity in the stock market to support ridiculousness, so <laughs> oh man,
1: that space, yeah,
0: yeah it's, it's like funny because actually, some of crime. those, uh,
1: even some of the uh, kind of like the metaverse NFT uh stocks I remember when NFTs were coming out, uh, um, what were some of those stocks like they ran from like ten dollars to ninety dollars, yeah, within yeah. like two weeks, land and, like
0: land, one of them was land, uh. I traded. I traded a lot of these.
1: Yeah,
0: but yeah, yeah. Um, mana, mana is one of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and like sand? No, not sand. Uh, sand. Yeah, yeah, sand, sand was the NFT uh, crypto. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty much all I got today.
0: Um, and those are all my questions. Well, I appreciate it.
1: I appreciate yeah, I try to, try to keep
0: these around like 30, 45 minutes. So it's the perfect time. Um, yeah. And thanks for popping on. Uh, I'll drop your links and your socials down below. Feel free to click and follow Manuel and check out what he's dropping on everywhere.
1: I, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you again.
0: Yeah. Anything else you want to share? Any closing remarks or maybe like uh, motivation for
1: new traders? Uh, I think the biggest thing, right, is invest in yourself, it's invest in your knowledge, invest into your, uh, before you start investing, investing, invest into yourself and your, and your knowledge, because I did it backwards. Um, I wasted a lot of time, a lot of opportunities, and unfortunately a lot of money, right? Uh, doing things the hard way, trying to just get in blindly, um, with cell phones and, and all these different apps and brokerages, trading is easy um well getting into trading is easy but the hard work comes in after hours right if it's easy then everybody could be doing it and everybody would be doing it but it's not easy but you have to put in the work find the dedication and find a proven strategy that works for you and your timelines right so and just stay consistent to it don't deviate don't continue to bounce around um find a proven strategy that reduces your risk that you could do consistently repeatable and make profits and continue to compound.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Wise words, 13 years that here and, uh, appreciate your time. So. Appreciate it. Thank uh, you.